That's even better than I thought it was going to be, Jared. I had a little bet with my friend, like who can grow the longest beard and who can do it the longest. And yesterday we got kind of tired of it. We're like, all right, we're both going to shave it. Meanwhile, I'd ordered like just for men, like the beard stuff. So I'm like, let's leave the mustache and dye it. So we dyed it brown. It's not usually even close to the start. <laughs> I love it. It is finally here, Yogi. Happy NFL Draft Day to you, my friend. Uh, I know people can't see your face because it's the podcast, but the smile that I'm seeing right now says it all. I, I can tell you're juiced. Well, tell me, first things first, what do you love about the NFL Draft? Well, it's the moment that people dream about. Right? We get the moment before that, which is signing day. We do it on our networks every year. And that's a special moment when kids sign their letter of intent. And then they sign a legitimate contract to, for a living, play football. And there's such a small number of student athletes that get to make that leap. But every one of them, one through 85 scholarship student athletes, probably one through 105, think they're going to go there. And now the day becomes actualized and you see the truth from four or five years ago come to reality. See guys you never heard of, like Justin Herbert, become a reality. So it's got all the drama that you dream of. And it's, it's just a brilliant day. The last time the Pac-12 produced the number one overall draft pick was 2016. Rams take Jared Goff. He is our guest today. Uh, really fired up to be able to talk to him. What, what do you remember about that 2016 draft when he went first overall? I remember being like so happy for him and also being like, oh my God, Jared Goff just got drafted number one. I, I remember, you know, actually when I met him, you, you met him at 165 pounds. I probably met him at 155 pounds. You know, just six foot four, the ball came out of his hand, but soaking wet. And, and now he was the number one pick. And for me, it was the closest relationship I had with somebody number one overall. Like I knew Larry Fitzgerald in college as a roommate. He wasn't number one overall. He wasn't a quarterback. And in LA, the city that I lived in, I knew about the lights. And here came Jared Goff from Cal. And I was just, I was really full of joy, to be quite honest with you, when it happened. I had the exact, exact same reaction. And I, I remember so specifically the first time you alluded to it that I met Goff. It was right after his debut at, at Cal as a true freshman in 2013 that Cal lost to Northwestern in that game. And I was covering it as a reporter for Pac-12. And I remember Kyle McRae, the SID, said, I'll bring Jared over to you for a post-game interview. And I'll never forget, and I'm waiting at my spot outside gate two. And Jared comes jogging over pulls his helmet off and says hi and I'm like this is Jared Goff like this he was a kid he was skinny he was shy he gave me maybe 25 words total in the like four questions that I asked him for that interview and so for me to see him standing on that stage next to Roger Goodell as the number one pick in the draft I just it still brings a smile to my face when I think about it and to see what he did going from one and 11 his freshman year at Cal to the number one pick in the draft and you know oh by the way he led the Rams to a Super Bowl in his third year in the in the league. It's been special to watch. And I know, obviously, it's been fun for people like us to watch from afar. But after listening to Jared describe draft night in his own words, that was incredible. So here's our conversation with the former Cal Bear, who's now the face of the franchise in LA. All right, Jared, it's the morning of April 28, 2016. What was the morning like when you woke up in Chicago that day? Yeah, I had a I had a suite in Chicago with uh, like three or four of my best best buddies, and they were all in the suite with me. 
and kind of woke up and I was like, all right, today's the day. And you kind of have that like butterflies feeling when you wake up, like, oh my God, it's finally here. And I, and I remember the day just being um, just so long. Like, yeah, I think the draft started at probably close to like six or seven out there. And the leading up to it was so much stuff to do, so much media, so much uh, partnership stuff, so much sponsored stuff. And you finally get to the venue and I walked the carpet with my mom and um, the rest is history. But yeah, it was, it was, a, it was a fun day. Jared, when did you actually know? What was the first moment that you knew you were going number one? Was it when you heard your name or was it before that? You know, I, I get that question a lot. I, I, I had a, we had an idea. I mean, basically when the Rams traded up to one, I knew they liked me and, and, and they had made that known to myself and my agent and, they had basically told me without telling me they were going to take me at one. But at the same time, I mean, if somebody would have packaged up some, some set of picks and sent it up to one, anything could happen and, and they could, they could take that. But um, about a week prior, I would say is when it kind of started sinking like, okay, this is probably going to happen. So many athletes and quarterbacks are going to be waiting to hear their name tonight in the first round of the NFL draft. When you heard with the first pick in the 2016 NFL Draft, the Los Angeles Rams select Jared Goff, quarterback, California. Did, did you think about your life and the three offers you had in high school? Like, what was going through your brain as he finished with Goff? Yeah, I, I really did try to, like, soak that moment in and really try to hear it. And, and it's, it's funny because, you know, you would think you get a better audio he, we are behind the stage. And so the audio is going out to the people in the, in the, in the uh, arena or wherever you're at in the, in the theater. And so you don't get a very good audio of it. I, I had, we had known, so we knew it was coming, but you hear it, you know, kind of behind the speakers essentially. And yeah, it was, it was a cool moment. And I, and I stood up and, and, and made sure to, you know, hug and kiss everybody I was supposed to. And that next minute, you know, it was hard to remember. I, I, I do remember putting on the hat and being like, all right, like try to make sure like, you know, these photos are going to be there forever. Try to, try to make sure you're smiling, like put the hat on right. And my one regret, which is such a small regret, but I was holding my jersey with like my inside hand. So it kind of looks awkward with me and Goodell and the picture is kind of funny. But the, the moment is something you'll never forget and, and something I, I'll never forget. And I'm sure those guys tonight will never forget as well. Yeah, there's going to be 32 guys who are going to have that same euphoria tonight of a, of a dream realized. Um, what would your advice be to them as, as they get ready for this thing? Uh, you know, try to soak it in. Try to soak it in the day. It's, it's, it's going to be a different experience, obviously, this year. But um, it's it, the moment when you get the call, when you, when you get the, to hear the, whoever the head coach is taking you, whoever the GM is taking you, you know, really try to remember those moments and remember that feeling because it'll never happen again. And no matter what team it is, no matter if you're happy with it or not happy with it, it'll never happen again. And it's a life-changing moment. So is there something that you can tell, like, you know, Justin Herbert about how to hold the jersey? Because it sounds like that was a that was a play. No There's no stage this year. There's no stage. I think he'll be okay. Just hold <laughs> yeah. it with two hands because you don't have to share it with somebody. That's right. Virtual. Exactly. exactly. Um, so let's, let's stay within that moment. So – what happens? You get drafted. You got the awkward handshake and hug. Yeah. And then what happens over the next 12, 15 hours? Yeah. Well, the next, you, you know, you shake his hand. You, he says, congrats, probably. I have no recollection of anything, like no memory at all. But you walk off the stage and the first person I saw was uh, the Rams PR girl at the time. It was Ju Her name was Julia. And 
so I'm, I'm meeting her right then. And then it's okay. We've got like a bunch of interviews to do. And I'm, you know, I, I mean, you can imagine like did like three hours of media, like immediately four hours of media. And I remember a moment that was wild was I was back there and, and, and it's kind of like a, you know, it's not very regulated. It's like people are just kind of throwing questions at you here and there. You're getting moved from podium to podium. And, and I finally got to kind of move in front of a camera and they handed me an earpiece. They put it in and they're like, all right, you're live with Jimmy Kimmel. And I'm like, what? And sure enough, I mean, not within 10 seconds, it was like, Hey Jared, it's Jimmy. How you doing? Like, and I was live on television. Like, you know, I was probably tape delayed, but you know, it was, it was live in an interview with Jimmy Kimmel and, you know, I'm kind of like, all right, it's great. You know, I don't, yeah, whatever. And then take the earpiece out. All right, next interview. And you're just, it's kind of like, you know, a circus back there. And I remember that being crazy for the next three hours or so. And then get to dinner with my family and friends. All, all my loved ones were there, agents, everyone. And that was a fun time. But truly didn't get to dinner until probably midnight. And, and, and then you eat and, and you go through the whole night. And, and I didn't sleep. I mean, I slept maybe an hour. Um, you're just so, you're so jacked up. You're just having so much fun with your friends. And, and then from that point, you get on a plane. I remember I slept an hour, jumped on a plane from Chicago to LA, um, took you know, a five-hour flight, landed immediately, hard knocks cameras, just right in your face as you land. Um, and then I went from there to the hotel and, and put on a suit and did my press conference there. It was, it's, a, it's a whirlwind. And, and, and those guys, uh, you know, this year don't, won't have that same experience, but, but when they get to their city, wherever that is, it'll be very similar. Jimmy Kimmel, I believe when you went to Pac-12 Media Day, yeah. You guys went over to Kimmel. When you went and got to meet him and watch it as a player at Cal, did you ever think like, man, I'm going to come on a show and maybe the number one driver? Never, never, never once, no. And, and I did at least have that like, you know, small meeting with him where I shook his hand and he probably, you know, probably remembered me meeting, meeting me that day at least. And, uh, you know, and then I had a three minute interview with him five minutes after being drafted. It's just, it, it was a, it was a wild wild sequence of events and you could tell in the back like when jimmy kimmel wanted to have me everyone else took second place and it was like all right you're on and i'm like all right i guess i guess i gotta do this jared you talk about obviously all those great memories and the whirlwind of, of what that moment and that day and those 24 hours were like but i'd love to know was there a moment after kind of everything settled down and maybe you got a little bit of sleep and you you woke up and you realized that you're now the, the face of a franchise and all the pressure that comes with being the number one pick in LA, was there a moment of vulnerability where it hit you? Like, I don't, am I ready for this? Um, I, I always felt ready. I don't think I ever was, was worried or, or, or reluctant to, to being in that role. I think I did have that like week buffer where I kind of knew it was going to happen. It wasn't totally a surprise um, when it did happen. So I was able to prepare a little bit in that way. But I think that night after I'd done my press conference later that night, I actually went to dinner at uh, Wolfgang Puck on the top of the, um, hotel we were staying at with my family and that was able to kind of sink in and, and, I, and I, I'm familiar with LA I hadn't been to LA much but I'm familiar with it but being able to like look over the city a little bit and be like wow like I'm gonna be here for however long and, and just being able to kind of let that moment sink in with my family and knowing everything that it brings was, was a cool moment. So now you're a pseudo vet in the league have had success how do you define being the face of a franchise? Man, it's uh, definitely got a mustache like mine. Um, <laughs> no, I, I, I think it's uh, I think it's a lot of things. I think it, you know, being a leader and, and being being kind of the voice of the team in, in some ways at times, and, and you know, a lot of that is is the head coach's duty. But I think there's a there's a middle ground where you want to be able to speak for the players and as well as speak for the team and speak for the organization on, on a higher level. And 
I think, you know, there's there's only one position that can do that, and that's a quarterback, and that's a, the face of a franchise type of type of idea that can do both sides where you kind of have to play that middle role. You know, Jared, I know you've said that your superpower was was being one and one and eleven at Cal. You obviously ended up playing in a Super Bowl not too many years later after that season. What about your experience at Cal and that season in particular sort of prepared you for for what you're doing right now and where you are? Yeah, I think it prepared me for for failure and just knowing how to handle it. And it, it's inevitable. Uh, I think you know I, I went through high school and, and never never really lost. I think we won. 39 and four, something like that. Like we never, we never had a losing season, never lost too many games. And having that as kind of like a wake up call of like, okay, like this game takes a lot of hard work, a lot of resilience, a lot of perseverance. And having that as something to fall back on as, as you know, it'll never truly, truly get that bad. I mean, I'm sure you, you could go 0-16, you never hope to, but you know, that could happen. And, and, you know, having that experience to fall back on in the hard times, you know, losing the Super Bowl, uh, you know, going four and 12 as a rookie, some of those tough times where, you're kind of you, you you don't question yourself, but you kind of are, you know, looking for answers. And 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 I think having that season and, and knowing how I came out of that on the on the right end is is something I'm able to fall uh, back. Justin Herbert talks the, about that a, a lot as well. They went four and eight, and a big reason he came back for his final year was to you know alter that, and they will go and win the Rose Bowl, win the Pac-12. His humility reminds me a lot of your humility. Have you been able to connect with him at all, or even when you watched him play the Cal Bears over the last couple of seasons? If so, what are your thoughts? I think he's a great player. I have not been able to connect with him. I would love to if he, if he would like to talk to me. I'd love to talk to him. But um, I think he's a great player. I saw I went to the Cal-Oregon game two years ago. I believe it was two years ago. We had a bye week, and I flew up there real quick for the game. And I saw him throw one ball. I remember I was, I was on the field. This was this was before he was like a big draft prospect. This was like two years prior. He was he was a good player and he was starting to get some buzz, but he was not the big time draft prospect. I saw him throw one ball like a deep out, like directly on line with my vision. I was like, that guy can play. Like he he's got a chance. And and sure enough, he's become the player he has been. And I wish him all the best. I think he's gonna be great. And um, he's he's a good player. Another quarterback, Pac-12 quarterback, that a lot of people are, are excited about to see where he ends up is Jacob Eason. Have you had a chance to, to watch him play and your thoughts on kind of what he brings? Yeah, I've seen him play. I actually was able to spend some time with him. We have the, we have the same agent and um, did get to sit down with him and talk to him for probably an hour and just pick his brain. And he was asking me questions most of the time, but he's a, he's a really, really solid football player and a guy that really cares. I think he, he definitely um, has that laid back demeanor, similar to myself, where, you know, you kind of have to assert yourself uh, intentionally at times. And that was something I told him that, that, that could come up, but he's a, he's a tremendous player and, and a really smart guy. I think, that, you know, that was what I was most impressed with, I think was getting him on the board and, and seeing him, you know, draw up stuff. And, and, you know, I, knowing what I knew when I was coming out, he's light years beyond me. And, and, you know, knowing that I was in a spread offense that was, you know, very, very spread out and came from a pro style system. So in that way, he's, he's, He's well on his way to being, being a pretty good quarterback. So all these QBs that are going to get picked later on tonight in this draft, they all have dreams and aspirations of, of being you someday, going to the Super Bowl, getting a sweet contract, all the stuff that, that you're about, uh, especially your humility. So curious, what is the biggest myth about what a quarterback needs to do to be successful in the NFL? And what's the thing that nobody really knows about to be successful once they get there? It's a good question. Oh, I, th I think the biggest myth, 
is probably like the, I'm trying to word this the right way, like, like watching like exceedingly amounts of film. I think that, you know, you watch what you should watch. If you, if you feel comfortable with what you've watched and you feel prepared, don't watch more. Like don't, don't burn yourself out. Cause I've seen that happen so many times where guys just think that they're supposed to do this and do that because that's what Peyton Manning did. And, and that was Peyton's thing was watching film and Phil Rivers. That's his thing is, is really grinding film. And if you ask other guys, if you ask Ben Roethlisberger, that's not entirely his thing. And he's still a Hall of Famer and they're all still incredible. But I think you just find out what works for you. And I think that's one thing that people think is so important is something that I value that I do a lot of, but I've seen guys do too much of it. And I've seen guys burn themselves out on it. So I, I think, you know, there is a, there's a time and place for hard work, but there's also a time and place for letting your mind and body rest and, and being prepared for the game on Sunday. I think, um, God, that's such a good question. I, I think something kind of like what I've talked to you in the past about, like that, that just being genuine, like being prepared and being genuine will always serve you right. I think, you know, a lot of guys come in and they try to, they try to fake it at first and, and it's, it's seen through so easy. And, and I probably did it my rookie year as well, but, but getting to the point where you are truly prepared and truly know what you're doing and are genuine about your process and genuine about your um, approach to your teammates and, and to your coaches is, is when you truly get the respect and, and that leadership ability. That was a good question. And that was a really great answer <laughs> on the back end. I, I got one more thing. You talk about being genuine, Jared, and obviously we're, we're living in an unprecedented time with, with everything that's going on in the world right now and, and COVID-19. I know that you made a big donation to the LA Food Bank, I think 250000 and you're trying to do your part in, in fighting this thing. So just any thoughts on kind of what, you know, why that was important to you, why that was the charity of your choice, and, and what you're trying to do and maintain mentally as we sit here at sheltering in place? Yeah, when, when people started to kind of lose jobs and, and had to had to be at home. I, I was talking with some teammates in particular, uh, Andrew Whitworth, and kind of brainstorming some ideas of, you know, how, how can we help? And, and, and being a leader in the community, I think, is, is so much more than just like saying it or just being a quarterback. It's like, you know, you actually have to, you know, be that guy and, 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 and want to do it. And I do. And I do. So just having a guy like Andrew to kind of lean on and, and kind of guide me in the right direction and we partnered in that. We both were able to donate um, combined two million meals to the city of LA and, and LA Food Bank, and it's incredible. It's a good feeling to give back, and it's something I've always wanted to do and always want to continue to do. And, and I think just, like I said, being being the quarterback and being you know that that face of some things that that you know, you referred to, it's it's important to do that. I think, and it's part of the job. I don't think it's it's ever something that I take lightly, and, and something that I do want to continue to do. Man, you continue to show up. And you did that at 16 years old when you were an un unnamed quarterback. Only a few offers to now face a franchise and arguably one of the faces in the NFL, man. Thank you for showing up today and for showing up for your community. Of course. Hey, thank you guys for having me. I appreciate it. That was fun. Well, I'm glad that Jared had fun because that was fun for me to hear his walk down memory lane from draft night four years ago. It was also very fun to see his mustache, Yogi. I didn't know he could grow it. I didn't know if he could grow it, you know? <laughs> I, uh, I think without the Just for Men die, I don't think there's any way that his mustache looks quite like that, but <laughs> that's a man who has a lot of confidence. He's got a lot yes. of confidence. Yeah, he does. That quiet confidence. Speaking of quiet confidence, I, I loved what he said about Justin Herbert and that moment in which he saw him a few years ago throw a ball that 
he had that feeling and, and all great quarterbacks who have what it takes to play on that level, know it when they see it. What'd you make of what he said about Herbert? Cosine. I mean, we do these high school camps all the time, Ash, and you're like, it usually takes off five throws to see if a dude can spin it, you know, and the type of throw that he described, the full field throw, you know, being able to just locate the ball the way that he did and the way that the revolutions of the ball. Like I always say, like if a ball can finish on the face mask, then you know it's got juice and it just finishes fast at the end. And that's what he saw. So I'd love that. But when I hear Jared Goff talk, and we have gotten to know Justin Herbert better than anybody in the country, hear him talk, they both have this swagger about themselves that is not like, look at me in my Instagram picture or listen to me give like the Tim Tebow middle of the huddle speech. Like that's not their persona. But I believe, and you've interviewed, you talked about Jared, you interviewed him since he was a freshman. I've interviewed him since he was in high school. He's always had a presence. And I think Justin Herbert has developed that presence. And that's what I define as the it factor. You know, somebody walks into the room, they feel you and they feel your presence and you make people around you better. Those two guys, Jared and Justin Herbert, they have that. And I think that's something that's going to link those two. And I can't wait till they connect in person. Yeah. And for, for anybody who wants more on, on Justin Herbert and some insight on who he developed into, if you haven't already, go back and listen to yesterday's podcast with Marcus Arroyo. He had some phenomenal insight, enjoyed uh, every bit of that interview that you did with him. You know, the, the draft is obviously always a massive, massive event. And this year, I, I think there's going to be more eyes on it than ever before because, I mean, really, other than the WNBA draft, this is the first live sporting event in weeks. So do you have like a bold prediction or what, something that you're most looking forward to seeing play out? <laughs> I, I'm really excited to see like, what does the virtual handshake look like? Like, you know, Jared talked about like the handshake and holding the Jersey. Like we'll, we'll bring that back next year for everybody kicking out for the draft, to, you know, next year. So they know how to do it, but now what is it, right? Like everybody dreams of that moment. Remember Tack McKinley coming onto the stage and he like, he bear hugged Roger Dale picked him up. He was so excited. Former DN from UCLA went to the Falcons. So what is it like when somebody hears their name called, you know, who do they first talk to? Like the technical side of this, we've read reports online, like some of it's gone well in the testing, some of it hasn't. So I'm just really curious to see how that shakes out. And then the tra trading element. So I, I'm really excited to sit back and really nerd out on this draft and, and see how they handle it. You know what my bold prediction is? Is that landlines are going to make a big comeback. <laughs> Not in this house. <laughs> Yeah, well, I think uh, it's going to be interesting to see how it all plays out. I, I think it's really cool, too, by the way, that it's going to be basically a, a fundraiser um, benefiting six national nonprofits. Millions of dollars are going to be donated to people who are battling the spread of COVID-19. I think Red Cross, Salvation Army, United Way, Feeding America, um, those are all going to be beneficiaries of, of this draft. So I can't wait to see what plays out in terms of who goes where, 5 p.m. Pacific time, ABC, ESPN, NFL Network tonight. Looking forward to watching along with you, Yogi, and the rest of our listeners. Um, and I'm just wishing all the best for all the young men and their families who are about to have a dream realized over the next three days. And as long as your internet works, Yogi, as long as Justin Herbert's internet works, and as long as our producer Zora's internet works, we are going to be talking to Justin Herbert after he gets drafted tonight so be sure to check out the podcast first thing in the morning with that we say thanks for listening so long <laughs>